On April 8, 2003, a slate of four candidates backed by Mayor Francis Slay won seats on the board of the St. Louis Public Schools. Slay was the chair of the committee that chose the candidates, and he also campaigned on their behalf. This is a really watershed moment for the school board and the public schools in general in the city. Now, if you fast forward four years, it seems the mayor's watershed moment didn't quite work out the way he wanted it. What's, what's happened in, in the past has not worked. What's going on right now is not working. This governance model has failed the kids for far too long. So the solution to the mayor was to ask state officials for help. And in 2007, the state of Missouri took over St. Louis Public Schools. This is The Millennium Mayor, an exploration of Francis Lay's legacy in St. Louis. I'm your host, Rachel Lipman. On this episode, we're going to examine education in the city and how it changed under Mayor Slay. And to do that, we need St. Louis Public Radio's education reporter, Camille Phillips. Now, Camille, the beginning's a really good place to start, so let's do that. How are the city schools doing? Well, when Slay took office in 2001, the city school district was in the middle of implementing a two-year-old desegregation settlement agreement. The schools were provisionally accredited, meaning the state wanted academics to improve. Here's how the mayor's longtime education liaison, Robin Wabi, describes it. It was a district that was academically bankrupt. It had been uh, provisionally accredited, but that was a that was a an accreditation that had been negotiated in the desegregation settlement agreement. It had not uh, had not been fully accredited for years. And how about financially? How are they doing that way? Well, the district had additional funding from the desegregation settlement, but local teacher union president Mary Armstrong says it was distributed unevenly. She was a classroom teacher in St. Louis Public Schools at the time. We had overcrowded classroom. We didn't have the resources that were necessary, but we were still in the midst of deseg, so there was a lot of additional funding. In the all-black schools, uh, you had magnet schools that had additional funding, but the schools that suffered the most were those schools that were naturally integrated uh, neighborhood schools. And so what's Slay's take on all of this as he's coming into office? I mean, how much power does he actually have over St. Louis public schools? Right. As mayor, Slay had no power to make decisions about the school district. Robin Wabi says people even warned him to avoid the education issue altogether. One person told him that it's like carrying two buckets of mud, and every time you take a step, you're just going to have the mud just splop on you. But Slay didn't listen to those warnings. Wabi says despite his lack of control, Slay put education at the top of his administration's priorities. Everybody in the city had the same two things. They wanted safe streets and good schools. And so he knew that he needed to uh, hear the people, be their voice, be the voice for children who didn't have it. And so he started championing quality schools. So where does the mayor start when he's trying to improve the schools? Well, he made overtures to the superintendent, but Wabi says they weren't initially well-received. She says the mayor's efforts to work with the superintendent weren't meeting with success, and that's when he started thinking a change in leadership was needed. But not a change in the sense of the mayor taking over the schools like we've seen in other cities. Right. He didn't go that route. But Wabi says that's when he started looking at the school board. We needed a school board that was actually going to be like-minded, that was going to have high aspirations for all children, and who could see that this was the St. Louis City's school district and was going to react to the needs and wants of the parents and, and citizens of St. Louis. So that's what he did. Slay essentially chose who would be in charge of St. Louis Public Schools in 2003. He chaired a committee that selected a slate of four school board candidates. 
The idea was for these candidates to pledge to vote as a block and focus on closing the gap in achievement levels between white students and black students. That focus was a platform outlined by a prominent civic group called the Black Leadership Roundtable. Why was this election important enough for the mayor to get involved? Because with four out of seven school board seats open, this slate of candidates had an opportunity to take majority control and make the changes they wanted to see in the district. Which brings us back to the start of this episode. Here's that quote from Slay on St. Louis on the Air about a month before the school board election. This is a really watershed moment for the school board and the public schools in general in the city because we have four of the seven seats are up for election. And uh, uh, there's an opportunity also to select a new superintendent because the current superintendent, Cleveland Hammonds, indicated he's going to be retiring at the end of June. Wabi says Slay and the Black Leadership Roundtable put out an open call for candidates that would support their agenda. But former St. Louis Public Schools parent Susan Turk, who attended the selection meetings, saw the whole process differently. It was being designed to look like an open democratic process, but the end result had been predetermined, and we were just there for show. So who ended up winning that school board election? All four candidates backed by the mayor, Ron Jackson, Darnetta Klinkscale, Bob Archibald, and former mayor Vince Shamel. And that meant the board members now had a majority voting block. So what did they do with that power? Let me play you a clip that will give you an idea. The St. Louis Board of Education has selected the firm of Alvarez and Marsal to carry out the role of interim superintendent. That's right. They hired a firm to be the district superintendent. The board announced the hire at a press conference in May 2003. Here's the newly elected board president, Darnetta Klinkscale, explaining her reasons for the hire. I want you to know that I am very much um, dedicated to um, the children's education, academic achievement in the city of St. Louis. And I feel very strongly that what we are doing is um, the right thing to do. The New York firm specialized in corporate turnarounds and had no experience working with schools. Well, that couldn't have gone over well with parents and students. No. And just a few days later, the school board was sued by a group of parents. They believed the board violated the state's open needings law by hiring the firm behind closed doors. Listen to their attorney, Donnell Smith. There was no public participation, no dialogue. And we believe that public participation and dialogue always helps uh, people in power to make good decisions. What does the mayor think about this suit? He called it frivolous and an attempt to throw roadblocks into a needed effort to cut costs. The St. Louis Public Schools have been doing in the past has not worked. Um, What they have is what I believe to be a bloated bureaucracy. Uh, There's a lot of money being spent on that, I think wasted in that regard. What they need to do is bring in a firm who is going to clean up this bloated bureaucracy so we make sure that every single dollar possible can go into teaching kids. A St. Louis judge later ruled that the board had acted appropriately when they hired the turnaround firm. And the firm got to work, not on the achievement gap, but on fixing the district's $70 million deficit. How'd they do that? Well, for a $5 million paycheck, they closed schools, cut more than 1,000 jobs, and revised contracts. The firm also negotiated with the plaintiffs in the desegregation settlement agreement to borrow against the deseg funds. How does the community react? Well, that summer, school board meetings were packed with people upset about what was happening. And parent activist Susan Turk says they had to find bigger venues to fit everyone in. All of a sudden, you had um, 
five, six, seven, eight hundred, a thousand people showing up for school board meetings, angry and very concerned about what was going to happen to their children's schools. And on the first day of school, demonstrators staged a mock funeral for the 16 closed schools. They marched to City Hall, carrying children through the streets in open caskets. I remember that. Al Sharpton got involved in that. Yeah, but despite all that controversy, Mayor Slay defended the turnaround firm. Here he is in March 2004, just a few months before the end of the firm's contract. Thank God they came. I wouldn't know what, I, I wouldn't have known, don't know what would have happened uh, if this if this new superintendent didn't come in and this, this new board wasn't uh, elected because they've really... Uh, uh, made a lot of tough decisions, but uh, these are decisions that the average person would not have been able to make, and who knows where we'd be right now. Did Slay get hit with any fallout politically? Well, he was directly challenged on the success of his slate during the 2005 re-election campaign. Here's mayoral candidate Irene Smith during a debate. They are privatizing public education, and you began that, any study you look at shows, you began that by contracting out the support services. Didn't seem to harm him too bad. I mean, he won re-election. Right. But the turnaround firm costly school board the support of the teachers union. Mary Armstrong says the union originally supported the school board slate backed by the mayor, but the budget cuts introduced by the turnaround firm made teaching difficult. And even after the firm left, turmoil on the board created a revolving door of superintendents, each with a different plan. For us as employees, we used to just sit back and say, this too shall pass, because everyone who came in had a new idea about how they wanted to run the district and they had the employees jumping through hoops. Uh, the curriculum was constantly being changed. Eventually, the teachers union and activist parents like Susan Turk began to organize support for school board candidates that would oppose the mayor's slate. And Turk says Slade began to see his influence waning. They decided to give up on school board elections because they could no longer control the voters, influence the voters to do what they, to vote for the people they wanted and voted for. And, um, Mayor Slay went to Governor Blunt at that time and asked him to orchestrate a state takeover of the St. Louis public schools. Okay, so let me see if I understand this. Four years after the mayor jumped into local school board politics, he pulls his support and asks the state for help. Right. But as you can imagine, Robin Wabi characterizes it differently than Turk. We had seen that the elected board was not interested in um, a stable and growing and performing district, but that become a political tool of a few at the expense of the many. And with that continued destabilization, it was uh, really the only next course of action was to ask the state to come in and stabilize the district. This is a lot of turmoil for parents with students in the system. How are they reacting to the idea of the state taking over the schools? It drew another public outcry. In March 2007, high school students staged a sit-in in the mayor's office. Alderman Antonio French, who has been a political opponent and outspoken critic of slave for years, filmed the protest for his website, pubdef.net. Okay, so as far as charges, Seniors like Maya Taylor were worried about getting into college because the mechanism for the state to take over required the district to lose its accreditation. For them to take this away from me in the middle of school year, there's no telling what any of the colleges will say to me or do to me. The sit-in lasted for several days, and eventually the mayor agreed to meet with the students. Needless to say, it didn't go well. Yeah, I am worried about it, and I'm worried about 
if you were worried all, about all it, you wouldn't be going to to um, St. Louis public schools. And I'm worried about your futures, and I'm worried Jefferson about the, your ability to get a good education and go to college, and all those things I'm worried about. So why are you going to Jefferson City to change things to make us unaccredited? Why are you doing this if you're so concerned? On the day the State Board of Education voted on the takeover, demonstrators traveled by the busload to Jefferson City to make their opposition heard. No takeover! No takeover! No takeover! Did it work? Well, in the end, the chance fell mostly on deaf ears. All but one state board member voted to reclassify the district as unaccredited, but they did delay the effective date so seniors could graduate from an accredited district. So kind of fill in the dots here for us. How does Slay's involvement with the school board in 2003 connect to the state takeover in 2007? Well, we asked Mike Jones that question. He currently represents St. Louis on the state board, and he said he saw a connection. Jones says the outrage over the school board basically chosen by Slay in 2003 played a big role in creating the instability that plagued the board in 2007. That turmoil is what motivated the state to take over. I don't think anybody intended this consequence, but it's also the short-sightedness of understanding the impact of race. And I would fault two groups of people. White leadership that didn't understand the sensitivity and black leadership that didn't insist that they were getting it wrong. That is an impressive indictment. So what happens when the state board takes control? Well, the whole thing opened the door to what became the mayor's primary educational legacy, charter schools. Here's Slay at his state at the city address in 2007. The St. Louis public schools did not fail overnight, and they will not be fixed overnight either. But our children cannot, and the city cannot wait either. That's why I support quality charter schools. Charter schools are free public schools available to all children because they operate outside the control of the St. Louis public schools bureaucracy and culture. They can be innovative, creative, and entrepreneurial. Now, charter schools are these schools that receive public funds but operate independently from a school district, right? Right. Slay and his supporters believed charter schools could bring good schools to the city more quickly than the district could improve. But I don't think there's anyone who's really like neutral on charters. They're either loved or hated. Yes, and the mayor has spent his last decade in office defending them. The St. Louis County school districts are the biggest competitors of the St. Louis public schools. So in the meantime, we have to give those parents quality, free public education choices, which is why... Now, here's the other thing about charter schools. It allows low-income parents to have a choice as well. People with means... We do have more quality, free public education opportunities in the city today than we did 10 years ago, but we still don't have enough. Did this work? Did the mayor's support for charter schools boost their numbers in the St. Louis Public School District? It seems like it. There are now 17 charter schools in the city of St. Louis with more than 10,000 students. Roughly one in four students enrolled in public school in the city go to charters. How's their quality? Well, that depends. Some, like the Northside Community School and City Garden Montessori, have great records when it comes to student achievement. Others fail to meet the state's academic standards. Some of those low-performing charter schools have closed, but others remain open. So we know the mayor likes charters. What do other people in the school system think of them? Well, some parents, like Eric Mitchell, feel that charter schools do give them more options. Mitchell's twins are in fourth grade at Proclaris Mastery Academy. They're learning things that they would not normally would learn in like a uh, 
a normal public school, you know, uh, they're learning actually some pretty good things in science and, you know, chemistry and, you know, a little bit of algebra, so it's good. Local teacher union president Mary Armstrong sees Slay's strong support for charter schools as a lack of support for the district. And Susan Turk, whose son graduated from the district's top-ranked magnet school, Metro, sees it as an effort to keep white middle-class families in the city. Quality charter schools seem to be code for charter schools that would attract middle-class and white students. And they began to bring in more um, what I consider to be kind of boutique charter schools like um, the immersion, the language immersion schools that might be more attractive to more affluent parents. So they then began to drain more fluent families from St. Louis public schools. And in my opinion, that is not a good thing to do. But for Robin Wabi, keeping parents in the district is a point in favor of charter schools. I think that there are more people today than want and believe that you can have high-performing schools in an urban district. We have proof points, both in the district and in charter schools, that no matter your zip code, you can um, see high-performing school, school districts. I'm going to guess she's referring to the fact that St. Louis Public Schools have been getting better report cards from the state lately. Get us up to speed. What's been happening in the district over the last decade? Well, when the state took over in 2007, it took control away from the local elected board and put an appointed special administrative board in charge. The governor, the mayor, and the board of aldermen president each appointed one SAB member. And what did this appointed board do? The SAB brought in Superintendent Kelvin Adams. After several years with Adams at the helm, the district began to slowly meet more of the state's academic benchmarks. And for the past two years, St. Louis Public Schools has scored in the fully accredited range on the state's annual performance review. In January, the state reclassified the district as fully accredited for the first time in at least 16 years. That's a big deal, right? Yes, it's hard to overstate how big a deal that is. But despite the change in status, the state appointed board continues to be in charge. Does it mean the kids are getting a better education? Overall, yes. There are some standout schools and some that haven't made much progress, like Vashon High School. Parent James Reese says his son did not get the education he needed at Vashon. I had to go through hell and high water just to get my son uh, homework, you know, just to get my son to be pushed academically, to be challenged. So is it fair to say then that even though there's still a lot of work to be done, Mayor Slay's educational legacy in the city is the fact that the St. Louis public schools have been reaccredited? I'd say creating an attractive environment for charter schools is the mayor's stronger educational legacy. The district did regain accreditation under Slay's watch, but most people give Superintendent Kelvin Adams the credit for improving the district. The state board also believes the SAB gave the district the stability it needed to attract and retain Adams for the past nine years. Still, the perception that the mayor didn't work for the best interest of the mostly black families enrolled in the district lingers. Exactly. A lot of the pushback the mayor got around his actions with St. Louis Public Schools had racial implications. But the mayor has often been reluctant to address that racial elephant in the room. We'll get into that next time on The Millennium Mayor. You can find all of the episodes, pictures, data you can dig into, and more details about St. Louis over the last 16 years at stlpublicradio.org slash millennium mayor.